Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Hope that you have had a great week and you're ready for a little bit of Friday wrap-up action. We're going to let it rip here. Uh, right off the bat, we got a great comment here from Damien. I uh, appreciate it, man. He says, nearly a year ago, I was introduced to your show by the Boxing Rant. Another reason why I will always appreciate them. This is hands down my favorite show going. And just wanted to say thanks, mate. From Australia. That's awesome. And then him and Aaron, also a fellow Aussie, on the chat uh, going back and forth about uh, buying tickets for the rematch between Devin Heaney and George Cambosos Jr. I thought that was um, pretty interesting because we'll be talking about Mr. Heaney a little bit on this show. So, um, look, there's not a whole lot going on this weekend, right? Um, a little bit a little bit slow right now in the schedule. There is a fight card tomorrow. A couple of good fights on that top-ranked card, but nothing major, nothing huge. However, um, I think it's, um, you know, be again, fun card, but other stuff starts to come up in the boxing universe when there's not a huge, huge event to talk about. And the next big event is with Canelo and Golovkin, that rubber match that's coming up next month. So it's, it's always the same old kind of thing. And this week, ratings came up. So uh, let me <laughs> share my screen. Because I know you guys just love talking about ratings, right? That's your favorite thing to discuss. So Mr. Devin Haney, the undisputed lightweight champion of the world, took some issues with uh, a tweet that was posted about Ring Magazine's latest pound-for-pound ratings. So I'm sharing Devin Haney's Twitter profile right now. And scroll down the uh, the page here, and boom, you see it about halfway uh let me see, make sure I got it. Okay, you guys can see it. So uh, somebody posted the Ring Magazine pound for pound rating updates. And uh, boom, there it is, right? We got Alexander Usyk number one. That was the big change. We put Usyk back at number one. And Devin Haney quote tweeted it and said, uh, this Ring Magazine can keep their belt. The Ring Magazine can keep their belt. You won't see me with it before or after this fight. So, um yeah, he's there's some bad grammar there because you won't see see me with it before or after whatever. Anyway, um, so he, he obviously is taking issue with the fact that he's not rated pound for pound, right? And let's let's look at some other stuff here. Um, he's giving Dan Raphael a happy birthday shout out because um, Dan Raphael says a lot of nice things about Devin Haiti. In fact, if you scroll down his uh, Devin's profile there there's a there's a retweet of mr dan Raphael giving props to him to haney for his shirt so you can see right there the reciprocation and that's why um you have a fighter shouting out a boxing writer's birthday you don't see that a lot uh let's see what else uh there's another kid who tweets out uh, devin haney should be on everyone's pound for pound list and um devin haney like that he retweeted it uh he adds and this was all yesterday, I should mention. This was a Thursday evening. He said, the youngest undisputed champ of the four-belt era and not on the pound-for-pound pound list? This is crazy, especially when guys who don't even hold the Ring Magazine belt currently made the list. Get the F out of here. Okay, so this is a popular talking point, and I can understand why a lot of people would look at it and say, wow, this guy has a Ring Magazine title. He's the undisputed champ at lightweight, yet he's not on the current pound-for-pound pound list. What gives? And, of course, this controversy, controversy, if you will, led to a bunch of hate 
of everyone's favorite fighter. <laughs> I'll share my screen again. Vasily Lomachenko, right? Um, and so I want to pull up here. I'm actually going to our site and pulling up the list for you guys. But, uh, man, Lomachenko just seems to trigger people in the worst way, man. I mean, people really have issues with this guy, and he really, really um, just gets the emotions going with, with some people. Anyway, so Lomachenko is ranked number six on our list right now. Let me, let me scroll down so you guys can see our current top ten. Let me see. Is that on the screen? Yes. Okay. So uh, for those of you listening audio, um, we got Usyk, number one, then Inouye, Crawford, Spence, Canelo, Lomachenko at number six, Bevel, Josh Taylor, Jermel Charlo, and then Baturbiev. So that's our top 10. Um, so over the last 24 hours, there has just been this debate on boxing Twitter because there's not a whole lot to talk about otherwise, I guess about Ring Magazine's ratings and how we're biased and how we just love Lomachenko. So I had to troll a little bit today. Uh, my man Doug Fisher joined me in trolling a little bit. And uh, Steve Kim, who doesn't even write at Ring Magazine, he trolled. A bunch of you guys joined in with us, and we had a bunch of fun about this. Let me just state for the record, for like the hundredth time, um, I am totally cool with removing Lomachenko from the top ten right now. And I've talked about this on my platform for months. And I've brought it up to the ring ratings committee for months. I've talked about this multiple times. In my opinion, Lomachenko hasn't been active enough. It doesn't have a big fight negotiating right now. We know he's coming back. It's a, it's a solid opponent for, you know, coming off of a layoff and everything, but it's not a big, big opponent um, to rate. Top 10 pound for pound. And, and so what I would change about this list, other than maybe a couple of, you know, the order, I, I, I'm cool with the names on this list, except for Loma. I would remove Lomachenko and I would add Shakur Stevenson because I think him beating Valdez and Herring in, in recent times is actually better than what Haney's done. And I think it's better than what Loma's done over the last year. All right. Because he's been inactive. So um, that's and look, understandably, I get it. I'm not hating on the guy, but it's just the truth. And let's see, who has he fought? I mean, I'm just going to pull up Loma's resume right now. So at the very end of 2020, coming off of the pandemic, um, he lost to Tiafima Lopez, right? And then Loma fought twice in 2021 against solid opponents, Nakatani and Kome. That's a solid 2021. Those are decent opponents. They're not elite. They're not top opponents, but they're good. They're solid. Kome is still a top 10 lightweight. And Lobachenko handled his business. He won those fights very, very easily, you know, dominated. And again, he's, this, he's doing this as a featherweight, fighting lightweights. You know, people forget about that. They look at Loma as a lightweight because he's been at lightweight for a while. But the truth is he's a featherweight fighting at lightweight. So anyway, doing that in the past year, that's solid. But I got to give the edge to Shakur Stevenson recently beating uh, Jamel Herring and then basically retiring Herring almost. And then, and, and that was dominant. And then absolutely dominating Oscar Valdez, who is a two weight title holder. Oscar Valdez, a little overrated, of course, but two weight title holder. It technically came into that fight undefeated. So to me, that trumps beating Nakatani and Kome, even though Lomachenko was massively outsized in those fights naturally. So 
you know, I, I give that edge to Stevenson. Boom. I, I would switch that. Other than that, I'm good with these names. You might switch the order around, whatever. You could even argue removing better BF, but my thing is he just unified another belt. He's been utterly dominant in his win over Vojdik, and I know that's a few years old now. That's still anything better than Devin Haney, Shakur Stevenson, even Jamel Charlo and other guys on this list have done. So, so uh, maybe not other guys in the list. Let me take that back. Eh, arguably, eh, arguably. So Beterbiev at number 10, fine. But if you wanted to remove him and put somebody else in, okay. Um, maybe maybe a Chocolatito, you know, somebody like that, okay. But in my opinion, Devin Haney doesn't rate top 10 yet. He just doesn't. And I understand that he's undisputed. He's got the ring magazine belt. He's the highest rated lightweight that we have. If, if I stay on our site and go to our lightweight ratings, let, in fact, let me do that. Let me just do that in the interest of uh, full disclosure. Let me go there. And here's our, our lightweight ratings. Now, look, we currently have Cambosos ahead of Lomachenko on this list, okay? And, of course, Tiafima Lopez, he's at 140 now, so we don't rate him at 135, which, um, you know, Lomachenko lost to a guy that's currently at 140 and will end up at 147, to put that into perspective. Um, and it was very competitive and almost won that fight. It's not as if he was dominated, right? So... People will look at this and they don't understand how we can have Lomachenko two spots behind Haney at 135, yet Haney's not on the pound for pound list and Lomachenko is. Even though technically, I will again add, I don't have Loma in my top 10. He's like number 11 or 12 right now on my list. He's in the top dozen or so, but he's not in my current top 10. However, this is a, a democratic process with contributors all over the world, Okay. And, you know, a lot of people ask, but you probably have a bunch of Eastern European guys. Actually, we have zero. There are zero contributors on the ring ratings committee from Eastern Europe. Zero. The closest is me because I'm part Eastern European, but I'm American. So, like, it's it's a very diverse panel from people all over the world, not including – Eastern Europe is not included, okay? So before any of you try to go there, because I, I keep hearing that we have this Eastern European bias at Golden Boy, which is hilarious. Um, it just it just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, um, I, I mentioned Golden Boy. You see the, 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 the trolling? Because everybody keeps saying you're owned by a promoter, right? You guys are owned by a promoter, and they um, influence your decision-making. What Eastern European fighters does Golden Boy Promotions promote? What what Who in the... Uh, executive positions at Golden Boy is Eastern European. It, it, it's headquartered in Los Angeles. It, it, and Golden Boy's primary marketing uh, demographic is Mexican-American fans. You know, So if Ring Magazine was biased and controlled by Golden Boy, how would we be biased toward, like Ryan Garcia would be on our pound-for-pound pound list. Andy Ruiz would be on our pound-for-pound pound list. Uh, David Benavidez, you know, guys like that. So, so it just the the trolling from people makes no sense. I even saw one guy today um, as he was getting into it with Doug Fisher, and he said, um, "You guys don't even rate Charlo on your pound for pound list." And Doug goes, "Actually, we do. It's like we actually do. He's on our he's number nine on our pound for pound list right now. These guys don't even look at the site. They don't even read the magazine that are criticizing us. Uh, anyway, the whole concept of pound for pound people." is that you don't look at just one weight class. You don't look at just one fight. 
you look at the overall body of work. Now, this is the sport of what have you done for me lately. And again, that's why I edge Shakur Stevenson right now over Lomachenko. Shakur Stevenson's overall resume is a pimple on Lomachenko's resume's ass, okay? But over the last year, I give Diaz a Stevenson. But in comparison to Devin Haney, even Loma's recent resume is just as good. It's it's right there on par when you consider the overall body of work, the winning titles in three different weight classes, and yes, the amateur career comes into play, the Olympic medals, all that stuff, um, and then the the rate at which Loma did all this within you know half the amount of fights Haney has had, he was far more accomplished. Devin Haney has beat one top fighter. Okay, I actually rate the Joseph Diaz Jr. win as Haney's best win. That's probably the best fighter pound for pound that he's ever defeated in terms of when he fought him and everything else. I get that he beat Linares. Linares was absolutely shot. Loma had beat him three years before. Um, so I don't rate that win very highly. And Cambosos is a good, solid fighter. He's probably not as good as Joseph Diaz Jr. Probably not at least not in a pound-for-pound pound sense or in an experienced way. Cambosos got one big win over Tiafima Lopez. And then Devin Haney got one big win over Cambosos. You don't get on the pound-for-pound pound list off of one big win. Now, I say that, and I recognize that we rated Tiafima Lopez on our pound-for-pound pound list off of one big win. But he beat, he didn't beat George Cambosos Jr. He beat Vasily Lomachenko, who was right up there in the top two or three at the time. Also, uh, Tiafimo had had a couple of other quality wins. You know, he had beat a couple of solid fighters before fighting Lomachenko. Not great, but solid fighters. Guys at George Cambosos level. And he, he dominated at least one of them. He knocked one guy clean out that was at... Cambosos' level, at least at that time. Uh, right there, maybe Cambosos is slightly better, but in the same st uh, stratosphere, right? And then he beats Lomachenko in the upset of the year, a guy that was rated in everyone's pound-for-pound pound list, at least in the top five, if not the top two or three, when Cambosos, or I'm sorry, when uh, Tiafimo beat him. So that's how Tiafimo got up there. And maybe it was a mistake to throw Tiafimo up there so quickly. And maybe we're trying to learn from that mistake. And not make the same mistake twice. So with Haney, um, you know, look, he's right on the bubble. And if him and Lomachenko fight next spring, which is the plan, that's what top rank wants to do. If both of them win their upcoming fights, they will fight early next year. And if Devin Haney beats Lomachenko, he's on the pound for pound list. He's he's there. And I think he'll probably surpass a couple guys near the bottom of the list. He'll be there. And Lomachenko will probably be off at that point, and that will bring on an, another addition, somebody like a Stevenson, who I feel is right there, right around number 10 right now, too. So the new school is on the bubble, guys. Um, but you can't overreact to some of these wins and some of these um, some of the shiny bright belts. You can't really overreact to that stuff. You got you gotta like try to be consistent. And the one thing with the ratings committee, you know, I don't know if people realize this. Uh, we don't get any recognition for doing what we do. We do it on top of all the other work that we do because we enjoy it, because we're boxing nerds. 
and we we love to try to create the most um the, the fairest ratings that exist and so it's not a perfect process you're dealing with human beings and opinions differ and you know there have been things that um i've disagreed with you know all along and there are a lot of people on the panel that disagree with my opinions like we we argue and hash it out but we always go with the consensus we always go with the majority rules and so far the majority of of panelists feel that lomachenko is a top 10 pound for pound guy still based on his overall body of work and while guys like Stevenson, Haney, et cetera, are right there nipping at his heels, they haven't quite passed him up just yet. And, and I'm good with that. I think that you could certainly make that argument. It's, it's not a ridiculous argument. It's not out of bounds. Whether I slightly disagree or not, I understand it intellectually. I, I, you know, I might give the edge to Stevenson right now, but that's just me. You know, um, One guy, I, I got to talk about this because... Yeah, well, I, I got to talk about a couple things here because it, it, Ring Magazine gets beat up on by uh, panders, people who like to pander on boxing Twitter, you know, the tribal uh, jerk offs on boxing Twitter and people in the media that want to keep access and like to pander and have political agendas and everything. Uh, and things get very tribal in the media as well. Right. So I just want to make this very, very clear. First of all, the championship belts and our ratings, okay, unlike the sanctioning organizations who you have to pay to get rated, who you have to pay to fight on one of their events and for one of their belts, even if it's not for one of their belts, just to, to move up in their ratings and such, you have to pay a sanctioning fee, okay? Ring Magazine doesn't charge fighters a dime. We don't charge them a dime to be rated. It's something that we do as part of our coverage. It's something that we do as part of Ring Magazine. So when you subscribe to Ring Magazine, you're getting these ratings and all this stuff, and you can rest assured there's no pay-to-play scheme going on, okay? There's no regular belt. There's no interim, super, diamond, gold, silver. None of that shit exists. We have one champion per division. Several divisions don't have a champion because we feel no one's earned that right yet. So there's several divisions that are just vacant. How many sanctioning organizations can you say that about? In fact... Just about all of them have multiple champions per division now. So we don't charge fighters to be ranked. We don't take money from promoters or networks or anybody to, to bump anybody up. We don't change our rules for anybody. We don't do any of that. And then the belts themselves, we cover that cost. When I say we, I mean Ring Magazine pays for the belt. There is a, a boxing equipment, a boxing apparel brand. Uh, company that prints our belts that uh, produces them for us and we pay them for that we pay for that that service and um you know they specialize it for, for the fighter with their name and all that good stuff and then we deliver it to the fighter and nine times out of ten we try to deliver it in person whether it's it's usually doug fisher or tom gray but there are other folks who have delivered these these championship belts to the fighters. We try to do it in person, but every now and then, maybe it gets mailed to them, whatever. But they're never charged for it. These fighters are paying for every other belt they have in some way, shape, or form. And I know um, Devin Haney's father, Bill Haney, says, um, well, we don't pay for these belts. The promoter pays for it. You're still paying for it, Mr. Haney, because – 
that's money that the promoter could be paying to you, but they're spending it instead of giving you 10,000 extra dollars or whatever, they're spending that on all the sanctioning fees and whatnot for, for the belts and the sanctioning organizations. You're still paying for it and you, you're, you've been paying for it your whole career. So to disrespect the Ring Magazine's belt, is, I just find it particularly interesting because we're the most fair process and literally every other organization is a pay to play scheme. And by the way, that includes other media outlets. Seriously, <clears throat> ESPN. Seriously, those are pay-to-play schemes too. They may not be as bad as like the WBA or something like that, but trust me, there's still money involved there as it relates to clicks and things like that. So we don't do that. We have the most fair process out there. Some of you guys like the was it transitional ratings? There's one other organization that maybe I'd put right up there with us. In, in in terms of how their process goes. But uh, some of their ratings make me scratch my head sometimes too. Um, but that's about it. You know, uh, it's it just, we don't charge anything. In fact, we cover the price. If you want to think about it, um, the parent company that owns us, that we get bashed about, they're the ones paying for fighters of other promotional outfits to have this belt. You, you know, you, is there any other outfit and boxing that does that. So um, there's that. And then also I wanted to hit on one last thing and then I'll move forward. Somebody on Twitter, uh, a, a guy who I blocked a long time ago because he has an agenda and he's just a, a bag of shit. Not even going to name his name. Uh, and there's several I could call out today that I've seen tweet over the last 24 hours as it relates to this. But one guy tried to insinuate that um, when Canelo Alvarez tested positive for clenbuterol, that um, Ring Magazine refused to strip him and left him in our ratings um, because at that time, Canelo was a Golden Boy Promotions fighter and the brass at Golden Boy didn't want him removed. That is absolutely false, 100% false. And in fact, I got to stick up for Doug Fisher here. Um, I admire Doug a lot and and there's things that he does that I, th I think – um, inspire me to try to be better at what I do. And one of the things that really, really uh, impressed me, and this was, I still lived in LA when this happened, but um, Doug basically stood up to the Golden Boy staff. And I'm not going to name names over at Golden Boy. You guys could probably do the math here. It's not Oscar. It wasn't Oscar. Okay. Oscar wasn't even really, Oscar has no idea what's going on at Ring Magazine. Like he's, utterly clueless he has no idea what's going on it wasn't him but i'm not going to name who it was um was vehement he was adamant that canelo alvarez was to stay in the ratings he was to not be stripped of his ring magazine belt he was to stay in the middleweight ratings or i think he was the middleweight champion um or actually no no just stay in the middleweight ratings and stay in the pound for pound ratings and doug stood firm and this was at a time where there were certain people that worked at Golden Boy who no longer worked there, thank God, because they weren't boxing people and they were tarnishing the brand a bit. But they were powerful people that didn't necessarily get along with Doug. And um, I'm talking specifically about Ring right now. And um, they were kind of on the side of not removing Canelo as well. And anyway, Doug stood up to the machine and took a stand at the risk of Losing his job, literally how he pays his bills and feeds his children. 
Doug is a family man with a wife and children. Okay. He put that on the line to take a stand saying, listen, the ring ratings committee wants Canelo off the ratings. By the way, there were some people that used to be on that committee that wanted him to stay on. I'm not going to name names. They no longer write for ring. They write for other platforms. <coughs> Sources. <coughs> Sorry. There were several people, a couple, that wanted to keep Canelo on. They were voted down almost unanimously by the other 99% of the panel that wanted Canelo off. It said, listen, this guy tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. He's been suspended for six months. We have to remove him. And so we did. And we the only reason we were able to do that is because Doug Fisher went to bat for us and stood up for us and what we wanted to do. And he had principles. And I don't see that a lot in media. I, Steve Kim is another guy I can talk about that has, at the risk of his um, public profile and things, stood up for, with principles uh, to the machine. I've seen a handful of guys do it, but not many. But as it relates to this entire rant in Bring Magazine or ratings and stuff, I got to bring up this situation with Doug. And so when I saw that, I was like, man, this is a guy I want to I wanna work with. I want to hitch my wagon right there because this guy gets it. Uh, you know, I want to be like this guy in terms of th the ethics and standards that he has. So I just want to put that out there because I saw somebody tweet something, you know, that, that was just completely false. And there were a handful of people that retweeted this and, and uh, some of them loosely gripping onto the last vestiges of, of their work in boxing media, just by the foreskin of their dick, barely grasps, grasping on. And so the only platform or two that will even talk to them anymore, they just pander and grovel. So they retweeted that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not even going to call these people out, but it's amazing, dude. It's really amazing to see this kind of stuff. Okay. Let me um, get a couple super chats real quick. Aaron, what's up, man? Thank you so much. He says, Mike, Spence at number four on ring and number three on ESPN is the biggest abomination in the history of boxing. It's saying you can be at the top facing zero adversity. Look, Aaron, I hear you. And this is another example where um, personally, I'm cool with Spence being in the top 10. He's in my top 10. But at number four, you know, being in the top five, I think that's too high. He's done all of his work at welterweight, and it's not as if he's been thoroughly dominant when he has faced the, the best opposition. But he's American. Um, you know, he, I, I don't know how else to describe it. That's why he's there. I'm good with him being in the top 10. Four is a little high. Three at ESPN. ESPN's list, by the way, is a joke. I think they have Spence above Usyk right now you want to talk about bias there's other words i can use for that but i just espn's an absolute joke that's not a sports network anymore one foot at the doors thank you so much for the super chat he says just want to show some support they get emotional because the truth hurts to those living a lie yeah look i, I don't know I, lomachenko how can you say he's not one of the best fighters in the world over the last five years yeah, one of the best amateurs ever. Why should that bother anybody to say that? I just don't, I don't understand it, man. I don't understand why that would bother anybody. But it does. It really, really bothers people. And Loma's one of the guys that they really jump to. 
it was Golovkin for a while. Remember that? We're, we're like anything. You could be talking about Elvis. Be like, oh, Golovkin! <laughs> you could be talking about the you know Coming to America, one of my favorite movies from the 80s. But what about Golovkin? What, hey, look at that piece of toast on the ground. Why would someone throw a perfectly good piece of toast on the ground? Golovkin! Everything just somehow related to Triple G. And um, he's kind of phased out. And then Loma became the guy. They're starting to move on to Usyk. And I notice a pattern with this every time. Um, it's it's kind of scary. I'm not really allowed, you know, to call it out, but um, it, there are certain patterns there. <clears throat> Papa Chubby with the super chat. Thank you so much. He says the pound for pound debate never ends because everyone has different criteria. I'm old school. If all fighters are the same weight, who has the best skills? Well, Chad, you're a smart guy and you absolutely know boxing. So, so um, yeah, I, I'm old school like you. I, I mean. It's a mixture of things, but so many people rate pound for pound based on potential. Oh, well, Tank Davis would beat this guy if they were to fight, and he would beat that guy if they were to fight, so he's on my pound for pound list. What? If you have Tank Davis on your pound for pound list, which ESPN does, and you don't have Usyk in your top two or three, which ESPN does, you're a joke. You're an absolute joke. And ESPN, by the way, has a panel of people. But most of them are bigots, politically anyway. Um, they're they're lunatics on the, the fringe extreme politically. And so they have an agenda with everything that they do. Um, so it, it just, look, man, it's just a pound for pound list, guys. You know, it, I think some of you take this shit way too serious. Um, but to accuse ES or to accuse Ring Magazine of having some sort of trail of bias here that goes back years and we're you know we're, we're biased towards these fighters and we're against those kind of fighters if you look at our pound for pound list over the last decade you will see representation from every corner of earth seriously look at it there's there's no like dominant group of fighters they're, they're there's ethnically nationally continentally they're from all over the place and we also don't favor big fighters over little guys like a bunch of organizations do you know, um, we're not overly American biased. There's a, there's only a handful of Americans on. Dude, this is a global sport. It's a global sport, guys. So your pound for pound list should have probably fighters from all over the world on it because that's what's happening right now in the sport. But some people are living in the 1970s, dude. They don't want to let it go. They don't want to join the 2020s. Sam with another super chat. Thank you, Sam. Always uh, dropping super chats, bro. I appreciate it. He says, I'm sorry, but way too much talk about for pound list. Uh, it doesn't matter that much. It's all speculation. Make the fights and the winner moves up. I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, I just had to address it because I see, you know, somebody who I really look up to and Doug Fisher getting beat up. I feel the, the need to defend him. And I see Ring Magazine getting beat up. And I, I feel the need to defend this brand. Look, the Ring Magazine has been around for a century. We're older than the sanctioning groups as they are now, right? I mean, the WBA goes back to the NBA, like way, way back. But like Ring Magazine's older than all these groups. Our belt is historic. It's literally a century old. And I understand that there's been some turbulence and things like that in the past. I, I get all that. Um, but I can tell you guys this. Fighters love being featured at ring magazine 
I have talked to literally dozens with an S, plural, dozens of fighters, including fighters that I haven't written articles about, just guys I've talked to at functions and fights and stuff like that, or maybe had in the show, and um, dozens of fighters. And they are always adamant, man, I knew I made it when I got in Ring Magazine. Oh, it was so cool when I saw myself, when I saw my picture in Ring Magazine, or I saw my name, or I saw myself in the ratings in Ring. That was awesome. I grew up seeing that shit. I've been told that so many times by so many different fighters. I've been told that in different ways from other people in media and from um, promoters, publicists, managers, trainers that are like, man, that that's that's so cool. You know, like I, when I first saw my fighter get in the ring magazine or when I was featured in there as a promoter, they mentioned my name, you know, whatever. They're always proud. It's a big, big deal. People respect this platform. They respect it. And some people just want to hate. It is what it is. Sam with another one says, not you. Oh, <laughs> he says, not you, Mike, uh, but in general, too much pound for pound talk. I hear you, man. I, I this this is uh you know my friday shit talking show so i have a little fun on here i could go and like show you guys all the tweets that i've been posting so i'm not going to do that but um all right so so mr t here says the ring magazine under de la hoya is a joke so this is the common thing and, and he's posted this actually several times in the chat but so mr t assuming that is your real name um, and you're not an alt account from, you know, there's a, a handful of you guys, assuming you really are a person. Listen, Ring Magazine is not under Oscar De La Hoya. We have a completely separate staff. We are owned by that company, but our staff is 100% separate than Golden Boy. Oscar De La Hoya, Bernard Hopkins, Eric Gomez, et cetera, have literally zero. That means nothing. Okay. As in zero to do with gold or with ring magazine, nothing to do with it. I report to Doug Fisher. That's my boss. It's not Oscar. I've talked to Oscar for like interviews. And so I've talked to Eric and B hop for like interviews for fighters and stuff and, and like pieces and stories that I was writing on, uh, for certain fights and promotions and stuff like that. But in terms of the ratings process and like all this different stuff, the only time I've ever seen somebody try to interject was with that Canelo situation that I brought up. That was it. And that person was shouted down by Doug Fisher. They have zero to do with anything Ring Magazine does. Literally anything. I don't know how much more clear I can make that to you. But Mr. T, if you're a fan of ESPN or the PBC podcast or DAZN and the media work that they have, or several sites I could name, but I won't get into all that, that are kind of indirectly getting paid through channels of parent companies that PBC reports to and it pays up to. Um, if you're a fan of any of those people and their outlets, they are far more compromised than you realize. Pay to play, brother. Pay to play. Okay, let's. Uh, we got one phone call here. We got Thad here. 
Uh, let me jump to his phone call. See what he's got to say. Sad, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, Mike. I, I want to shift focus here. Um, you know, because we could be arguing pound for pound lists, like we could argue uh, cooking. Yeah. You know, lists for what pies are the best. Um, but before I get to that, ESPN, it's the, the Eternal Sports Pro, uh, Pro Network or something like that. Well, I think it's the uh, the Entitlement Sycophant Propaganda Network. And I like that. Everything they that do works. today. That works. Yeah, has you could also throw in other names for the Ackerman. Um, it's 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 just a joke, and and that that pound for pound poundless is insulting. Yeah. But I think the ring pretty much gets it right. But my whole thing here is Devin Haney and and the Haney family in general, and I I do bring up his father in this because I think a lot has to do with his father drumming up a lot of this unnecessary banter, and it's for a reason. It's very calculated, and I'll get to that. Now, with Devin Haney, you see a lot of uh, misdirection. You see a lot of propaganda put out there. And it all stems from my belief that he's trying to angle for a way to weasel out of a Lomachenko fight. I truly believe that he does not want to fight Lomachenko. I, his father knows who that style can be. And in the past, we saw when Tiafima was upset by Cambosos, there was a clip where Cambosos released. Uh, Haney and his father were hugging, celebrating that Cambosos won against Tiafimo. You can read into it how it looks to you. My, my take is that they believe they could beat Cambosos. I don't think they believe they could beat Tiafimo Lopez. So a lot of it stems from matchups. And you saw it. Cambosos' uh, style had, he had no answers for a jab and grab and hold style like a, a John Ruiz or Andre Ward. He he wasn't able to stave that off. And that's on Cambosos, okay? So when you look at Lomachenko's style matchup versus Haney, Haney's a classic jab, grab, hold, defensive style fighter that does not like to get hit. Lomachenko, all of his strengths cancel out what Devin Haney can do in the ring, okay? It's a matchup nightmare for Haney. He doesn't have the power to trip to to keep Lomachenko honest and off of him. They know this. They don't want to fight him. Okay? And, and the excuse is going to be, well, Lomachenko is coming back from war and he didn't want to fight us straight out. That's a lie. Because number one, he had a rematch clause that was kicked in two weeks after the original fight. But they want to lead it out to believe that, no, I could have fought Lomachenko if we paid Combosos a, a step-aside fee. That was bullshit. His fans are now taking that verbatim and they're saying, well, Lomachenko ducked him for a second time. And we all know, we go back and discuss the first time, which is absolutely ridiculous. Jose Suleiman explained that to a T, how that was nothing of the sort. Haney was not even a mandatory at the time where Lo, uh, Lopez and Loma were about to fight. Haney had no bearance on anything in, the, in those rankings. If anything, Devin Haney, all right, if he would not have enacted his his right for that email belt, if he would have just uh, stayed number one contender, said, no, I don't want an email belt. I want to fight the winner. I want to be mandatory for the winner of Lopez Lomachenko. All of this would have been immaterial, but he didn't do that. He chose to have that belt. Now, am I? is that right or wrong, Mike, if you want to interject? No, I mean, that's pretty much how it all went down. Um for the record, I, I 
I I believe Loma and Haney are going to fight next year. And the reason why I say that is because that's what top rank wants. And they have a contract with Haney. He's going to have to play ball. So um, I think that fight happens. And I think it's a way, I think the business of boxing for top rank is to kind of try to cash out with Loma and to move forward with, with Haney. He's the new guy, right? Uh, That's what I see happening. But I mean, a lot can happen between now and then. Well, then here, why did Devin Haney come out and say that he's going to move up to 140 after well, this Cambosos fight? He was. Yeah. Okay. It, it, look, if he, ahead. if he really does that, if he really moves up to 140, mm-hmm. then it is what it is. Um, and all this talk, you know, it, it will, uh, it, it'll go away and people will have short memories. You know how that works. But um, it, the kid yeah. is big. The kid's going to be a welterweight. He's going to be a welterweight. You know, he's he's a lot naturally larger than uh, than Lomachenko. So um, that, that could happen. But, you know, if we end up, you know, I'd love to see Haney and Tiafima Lopez. I'm with you. I, I don't know if Haney's side wants that fight, but hopefully we see it. Hopefully we see it. I really have no interest in Devin Haney except for him to man up against Lomachenko and, and fight the guy who literally gave up his right to a fight with Cambosos. He was supposed to fight Cambosos in, in Australia for the same contract. He deferred, you know, for, for his uh, wartime um, aspects. And Haney stepped in. Now, Haney, you know, if anyone with honor and integrity would, you know, would, would fight Lomachenko, you know, for all the marbles. But with Haney saying, oh, well, Lomachenko doesn't want to fight me. He needs a tune-up. He put that out, that narrative out there. It was a lie. It was misinformation, but it's for a reason. It's very calculated. The Haney's have been around boxing for the entirety of their life. And, I, and, I, and Haney's father, if you really want to know who his father is, just read. I had to pay money to, to get this, but to read the affidavit of his arrest record. To, to show what he did in that interview with the cops. To deflect all accountability. It says a lot about character. And when you're raised by a man like that, it would not surprise me to see Devin Haney move up to 140, then challenge Lomachenko and say, fight me at 140. If you don't want to fight me, then you duck me. And now the saga is over forever. That's how I see it play out. I know, I know top rank, they want that fight. I believe it differs from your opinion slightly. I think that in a perfect world, they would see Lomachenko win that fight. And then they would match him up with Shakur Stevenson, who is a much better matchup style-wise for Lomachenko to beat him. I think that's a 50-50 fight based on styles. But with Lomachenko aging, I think Shakur Stevenson would probably be a pick-em against Loma at the the very least. But right now, if you want to look at odds, Lomachenko is a a two-and-a-half to three-to-one favorite over Devin Haney if they do fight. That's the professionals. That's the betting odds. Okay. And that, and two years ago, there was a site that put out those betting odds and it was six to one Lomachenko. So for all those people out there thinking that Haney was this boogeyman and people are scared to death of this guy. Think again, Haney was only a, a two to one favorite over Cambosos. Okay. Tiafimo opened up at 11 to one as a, a favorite over Cambosos and Lomachenko before the war in Ukraine was a nine to one favorite over Cambosos. Mm. So again, let's stop looking at Cambosos 
like he was an all-world fighter. He wasn't. Right. And for, and this is to clear up the uh, the bias that uh, that Haney's putting out there. Evander Holyfield, when he beat Buster Douglas, Buster uh, Buster Douglas pulled off an upset against Tyson. Holyfield beat Douglas. Douglas was a three to one favorite over Holyfield. Okay, but Holyfield didn't get any credit. He didn't get any credit until he really beat Riddick Bowe in the second fight. And then even people were talking, well, no, he still never beat Tyson. That's when Holyfield got recognition as a heavyweight, when he beat right. Tyson. Right. So Devin Haney, to think that there is bias, you know, for whatever, I know, I know what he's saying, why the bias is, it's not true. It's because you beat George Cambosos for the belts. It's not about, here, here's a misconception. It's not about the belts. Right. It's about who you beat exactly. to get the belts. That's exactly what I tweeted. I, I took so, um, I took Devin Haney's tweet yesterday and I retweeted it and I said exactly that, Thad. And uh, it got some interesting responses. Most people agreed, but a few people got really butthurt over it. And I'm not on Twitter. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't have a lot of. Uh, you missed you know, the freak show. I, You're just, tried, you missed the daily uh, freak show that exists there. It would rule my life. You know, I, I do other things and, and I, I'm all, I only have time for a couple of things and, Twitter, I just can't do it. Okay, I'm in the middle of landscaping my house right now, and I, I love the other Friday show. I could, you know, put it on and take a little break, you know, give you a call because this is what I've been wanting to talk about for the last two weeks was this Haney Lomachenko situation. And as a boxing fan and a purist, I want to see that fight because there's bad blood. Haney is passive aggressive attitude. He said he'll never lose to a white boy. That was his quote. Oh That's yeah, he did cir- say that. Circa Bernard Hopkins. Yeah. So now he's on the record. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? He's on the that, that he, here's the thing. I, I do think that that was a obviously a racially charged comment that, that hinted at racial superiority and fury. You know, in, in his opinion, much like Anthony Joshua was. But he's a young kid raised around people who thought that way and felt that way. You got to remember, he spent a lot yeah. of time around Floyd Mayweather and stuff. But the kid owned it and apologized. Judah, the, the, the kid did it, and I know it was a canned apology. But the kid owned it and apologized. So I'll give him that. Um, I will give him that. But it does kind of show you the mentality. I, I understand. It, it does. And I'm not, I'm, believe me. Hey, you say what you say if you believe what you believe. I'm, I'm fine with the comment. Okay? I, I'm not fine with the fact that you talk like that and then you're going to try and, and, and talk around fighting the man. Step up and fight the man and prove what you said. That's all. Hey, if you beat him, then great. Then, then you could brag about that, mm-hmm. you know, good for you. But if he's going to sit and run interference and try to weasel his way out of a Lomachenko fight, you know, then, then that, that says a lot about your character that you're going to make those types of innocuous comments and then back away from them. It, it just shows a lack of integrity, a lack of honor. And again, I well, track it back. Well, let's give you the know, kid a chance. Let me say this, that let's give the kid a chance. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Let's see if he yeah. fights him. And if he fights him next spring, cool. But if he does move up to 140, if he suddenly can't make 135 anymore after talking all this shit and running all this interference, as you're saying, I'll be right there with you to criticize. The bottom line is this. Yeah. And that's still- his best win is probably Joseph Diaz Jr. That's probably his best win. And Joseph Diaz Jr. Yeah. is a blown up featherweight, good fighter, Olympian, right. you know with a blown up featherweight. So if that's your best win, it's not pound for pound. That's it. 
And yeah, no, you're the champ no. right now, lightweight. But a lot of that was things working out. It was convenient timing, right? Um, and, and I think that yeah. boxing fans and honest boxing media, knowledgeable boxing fans and honest boxing media will recognize that and talk about it appropriately. And it's not hating or anything like that. It's just telling the truth, it's just delineating through all the bullshit. Yeah. Um, and that, that's really it. That's my opinion on it. That's it. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm putting it out there just, you know, not to be a drama queen or any, you know, drum up that, that kind of talk or I don't believe in that at all. Okay. For, for any, you know, person or demographic, it, it's all about the man who you are and how you're raised and what you put into something. That's what wins and loses. Okay. But the reason I put it out there is because the fans need to speak up and to say, uh-uh. No, that doesn't work. You talk when you beat the man. You talk when you fight the man. You'll get credit. I'll give uh, Haney credit if he gets in that ring with Lomachenko. The first bell rings, boom, he's got credit. Absolutely. That's all that we want is the fight. I just see it, you know, for what I think is, you know, preparation to duck. I, I hate, you know, having these premonitions, but this is what I see. And, and if it goes down that way, you know, forever in history, there's always going to be that stigma that's unfairly posturized with Lomachenko for the reasons we all know. Okay. So as a boxing media member, I, you know, I want people to talk about this, to hold Haney accountable, just so the, the fans get the fight. Okay. And before I leave you, Mike, I, I think uh, this weekend, Pedraza and Kome, good entertaining fight, close fight. I think it's Pedraza wins 96-94 on the scorecards. Comey always just, you know, he, he's, he's a good fighter, but he just seems in the biggest matches. He, you know, he comes close, but it's close, but no cigar. So I know Pedraza is like minus 150 to win by decision. I, I like that. If you want to bet Comey, there's only one way to win, and that's probably by a knockout, but you're getting plus 400 odds. Hmm. So I think that's a, you know, if you're looking at betting fights this weekend, there really isn't anything there. Um, you have big baby, um, big baby Miller. Did that, you know, the, uh, the American the, heavyweight, the, the good one, he's not the, yeah, he's the cheating piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get the mix up. I'm sorry. Yeah. The other big baby. Yeah. Yeah. Jared <laughs> Anderson. Jared, Jared Anderson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jared Anderson. Right. There's too many big babies. So he's like a minus 10,000. You have to put up 10 grand to, yeah, to win a hundred. So All those the that. undercard fights but, are terrible, but the main event's good. Yeah, the main event's gonna be entertaining. It's gonna be one of those. Remember when our Corte fought Vernon Forrest? Mm -hmm. It was like two guys past their prime, but it was a good fight. I Corte got ripped off in that fight, actually. Um, but it was entertaining. It was a great style matchup. It was two old warriors. And uh, again, Corte, he always got ripped off on the cards, believe <laughs> Even though I thought the De La Hoya fight, he he, he did get etched in the last round. And Vargas won, but you know he had a hard time. Too many, yeah, too many close fights. So that's how I see it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I see it tonight. And you know, then we'll get back in the swing of things in September. It'll be cool. some interesting stuff. But yeah, all right. But, uh, thanks for uh, taking my call tonight. Yeah, man. And I'll be back to my landscaping. All right. Enjoy your landscaping. Have a good weekend. Have a good one. Man. Thank you. Peace. Uh, there he goes. Uh, a couple of couple of comments here. Uh, and by the way, I, you know, um, Fab brought up a great point that Lomachenko, what 
obviously what top rank wanted was for Lomachenko to fight Cambosos next. That was a much bigger fight commercially, and that's where they wanted to go. But Lomachenko, a man of principles, wanted to help out in the Ukraine and turned down literally millions and millions of dollars against a guy that I think Fed mentioned he was three to one odds. It might have been more than that, uh, maybe six to one odds. Lomachenko turned that down to assist his country at war. And because of that, top rank ultimately, uh, you know, Haney was the guy and top rank signed him. They worked out a deal to, to have uh, Haney and Cambosos fight. And you guys know the deal there. But originally, the first contact there with Cambosos was they were going to fight Lomachenko. That was where they wanted to go first because it was the most money. And Cambosos and his team thought that, you know, Loma's passed it and they really had a chance to beat him. That was their first choice. That's what they wanted. And again, I have to say this Lomachenko turned down millions of dollars and the chance to get all of his belts back to go help out in Ukraine. And it's crazy to me that there are people on Twitter and, and all this stuff bashing Lomachenko and, and other Ukrainian fighters say, well, they're not on the front lines. They're not shooting at Russians. You guys are giving them too much credit. Like people saying this from their mother's basement, basically, who have never served their community at all in any possible way. Um, I find that to be amazing. I find that to be amazing. But I really, really hope that we do get Haney and Lomachenko next spring because it would be undisputed, of course. I mean, right now, Haney is the undisputed champ. But it would be, if you're a Haney fan, it's a chance for him to get that passing of the torch, symbolic passing of the torch kind of matchup, where the old school, the OG guy who really did clean out the division and grabbed all the belts before he lost them, uh, kind of did the dirty work. He would be the guy that if, if Haney beats him, he can kind of go to that next level. He'd be on the pound for pound list. He would be, uh, his, his brand recognition would be more, and he'd have a future Hall of Famer on his resume. If you're a Lomachenko fan, you want to see that fight because it's a chance for Lomachenko to get back to the undisputed championship, right? So um, that's a great matchup for several different reasons. And it would be, uh, you know, marketed very well. And I think it, it do, it do numbers, even though Haney is not a very exciting fighter to watch. I think it would do fairly decent numbers here in the States. Uh, remember when Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez fought, how many million, several million watched that live. And nobody knew who Tiafima Lopez was outside of diehard boxing fans. It's not as if he was this household name. And that fight did ratings. So I do think if Lomachenko and Haney fight for a complete undisputed, given the, the angle that ESPN will go with, with the war, you know, and all this with Lomachenko and stuff, I do think it'll do numbers. I, I really do. Anthony Santiago with the super chat. Thank you so much, Ant. He says, what's up, Mike? Looks like Murat Gassiev fought today. Do you think he can make any noise at heavyweight? What? Let me look this up. I did. Because he is he is supposed to have fought like 100 times over the last couple of years, and the fights always fall through. Uh, he adds, also, where do people get their favorite boxers apparel? Need some Triple G shirts for the big fight. And then I thought I saw another one from you, Ant. Yep. He, uh, he adds, two of the same judges from Canelo, Triple G2, Judging three. Oh, really? 
man, I'm I'm out of it today. I, I didn't see any of this news. Well, first of all, uh, Murat Gassiev, he is scheduled to fight today in Belgrade. Wow, Belgrade, Yugoslavia. Who the hell is he fighting? Corlus Welsh. I've never heard of this guy, but he lives in Atlanta. He trains here in Atlanta. Huh, maybe I should know him. He's fought a lot of fights in Latin America, this guy. Interesting. Um, well, obviously, I like Gassiev big in that fight, but uh, why would they fight there? It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, I don't know what to think about Gassiev, dude, because he's, he's been so unhealthy and so injury prone. Power's there, chin's there, technique is there to make noise at heavyweight. Absolutely, he he's a, a monster in terms of his raw strength and punching power and all that. So, um, you know, he's got some tools, but he's got a, he needs to be fighting two or three times a year, and he hasn't been. In fact, since he lost to Usyk in 2018, he has fought twice. This will be his third fight. He did not fight at all in 2019. Fought just once in 2020, once in 2021 against very limited opposition. So I don't know what to think of him at this point, bro. Regarding the judges for Canelo Golovkin 2, let's see if I can find this out. Let's see. Uh, Canelo Golovkin 3. Judges, who we got? We got the Nevada State Athletic Commission has approved, oh, my God, Dave Moretti and Steve Weisfeld. To score the grudge match. They both scored the second fight. 115-113 for Canelo. Wow. You know, I like Steve Weisfeld, but I, Dave Moretti for me. Um, yeah, it says right here, Moretti has judged each of Canelo's last seven fights in Las Vegas going back to 2017. That's the problem. That's the problem. Moretti and Weisfeld were there for um, Canelo Bivol and scored at 115-113 for Bivol. How they gave Canelo five rounds in that fight, he might have won two or three tops. That kind of tells you everything you need to know. Wow. Uh, well, expect more of the same, ladies and gentlemen. Expect more of the same. Um, I got to get – I saw one comment here. Okay. So – this guy here in the chat, Jamhold88, says, tell us Lomachenko's best win. Why don't you tell me Lomachenko's best win? Why don't you? I mean, this. if you're trying to compare Lomachenko's resume to Devin Haney's or to most of the guys in the pound-for-pound pound list right now, you're going to lose. The Gary Russell Jr. win in his third pro fight – Third pro fight, dominating Gary Russell Jr. And I know it says majority decision because Lisa Giampo was pandering that night. But that was an eight rounds to four, nine rounds to three. I was ringside, okay? That's a better win than Devin Haney, Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, all have on their resumes combined. That one win is better than all of their resumes combined. Yes, I said it. Doing that in your third pro fight, by the way. The loss to Orlando Salido is better than Ryan Garcia's entire professional career and probably Devin Haney's too. The loss to Salido, when you consider it was his second pro fight and he almost beat him. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
How many guys did Lomachenko retire? How many guys retired after fighting Loma? An undefeated Nicholas Walters, right? How about beating Guillermo Rigadiao, who is on everyone's pound for pound list, top five, top three at that point, forcing him to quit? How about that? How about Jorge Linares, who is the lineal lightweight champion of the world? Not the version that Haney fought, the Haitian that the, the version that Lomachenko knocked out. How about that? But you'll go to the knockdown when he dropped Loma. I, I don't understand what you guys want. I don't understand what you want. Sam A with another super chat says, I disagree with Thad. I got Comey by KO. That'd be that'd be impressive for Comey, in my opinion. That'd be impressive. Oh, Ant is saying that Gassiev already won by KO. Okay, it's not on box rec yet, Ant. Um, the result of that Gassiev fight. Uh, but it's, you know, it's from you know overseas, so sometimes it takes longer to get that. <clears throat> Hawker in the chat says, I heard that Bill Haney was saying Usyk and Loma were cowards. Yeah, I saw that. It was on one of those LDBC channels. I, you know, I just, I have no comment for that. I just have no comment. That's just insane. But yeah, if um, Canelo Triple G3, look, I'll talk more about that Monday on the neutral corner because I'm going to really look into these judges. And I just want to see how involved they are. Um, uh, look, I think we have a call from France. So I'm going to jump ahead to this call. Let me see if we can get this. Um, France, you're on the line. What's up? Hey, Michael. Uh, Michael, thank you. I'm uh, very good. Uh, it's uh, Johnny from France. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. It's, uh, it's the first time I call. I'm very happy to, to have you on the line. And um, <clears throat> just wanted to, 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 to say a few words about uh, politics. Uh, for the last month, it's been uh, very, very sad to see all the boxing critters gone all directions. And, uh, and really, it's uh, very sad that we can't uh, enjoy simply the, the, the sport we love. Uh, Really, that's uh, all the stories with Amy and all. <laughs> yeah, uh, very. You see, like people get to to tend to to go in a in a band and uh, choose a bandwagon, and they don't uh, they don't seem to appreciate the sport really because we had um, we had so such uh, such a beautiful uh, fight, you know, the last fight with music and Joshua was so amazing, and uh, all you get to to say is. Uh, uh, go on a racial uh, basis. It's, it's, um, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. So we, uh, yeah, I agree bit, with uh, you. I, I completely uh, agree with you. It, and it's yeah. really a shame. And I try not to talk about those sorts of things um, because, you know, it, it, it's honestly, to me, it's just boring. But sometimes uh, I have to address it. But I'm with you. I, you know, I, I thought that was a great fight last Saturday. And Things like your race and demographics really should have nothing to do with it. It was just a really great heavyweight fight between two really, really good fighters. That was it. Yeah, let's be honest. It was like a fight of uh, the decade. And uh, Usyk, in my opinion, is a fighter of a decade and even more, maybe. Maybe we can, uh, in a few decades, we'll see Usyk like uh, of the likes of uh, Joe Louis and uh, and um, well, I'm a daddy, I'm sure, because uh, what it does is impressive. You cannot see an heavyweight uh, fighter moving, uh, choosing young girls, moving all all the way along, and uh, 
and being um, being afraid at the same time. It's uh, it's really something never uh, never seen at uh, at heavyweight, really, never. Yeah, I mean, he's he seems to be a generational talent. Now, I still want to see Usyk fight Tyson Fury. I really, really want to see that fight. And if he were to beat Tyson Fury, we're talking about an all-time great fighter at that point. You know, I I think um, he could be one of those guys. That's just very special. That's just different. But you see, of Fury is reluctant to fight music. He didn't want to fight music in the first place. Yeah, you can really see that. And, uh, that's the economical point of view, obviously, but uh, not only. Um, I, I remember seeing a video back back a few years ago, and uh, Uzik was um, around the you know around the, the ring at the fight. I can't remember which fight it was. And uh, Tyson Fury took a look at him and said, oh, "Show me your tall, you show me." And he, he would grab his shoulders like this, and uh, you could see in the eyes that like Tyson Fury was already judging. Um, uh, music because music is just the same as um, as the Loma is a generational talent uh, in the amateur as well. Very few losses in uh, he's done everything in amateurs. He, he, he fought uh, in weight. Uh, he fought many times with um, um, better 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 sorry back then. Mm-hmm. And um, and <clears throat> I think if you if you had the amateur background. And what is on a professional? It's something unheard of. I I can't see anything uh, comparing to this. Yeah, I mean the amateur background is why Usyk and Lomachenko were able to move so quickly in their professional career and fight for titles very very early. There's a lot of fighters that you know they they spend twenty thirty fights developing. And these guys were fighting for world titles right away. And that's, to me, what separates them and, and makes them uh, stand out. Um, when you have hundreds of amateur fights at the international level, too, at the, at the global level, because that's another thing. There's a lot of fighters that have 100, 150 amateur fights, but they're all domestic. You might be fighting the best fighters in your country, mm. but you're not necessarily fighting the best amateurs in the world. These these men were fighting the best amateurs in the world. As kids, they were doing this. So I, I think a lot of fans don't realize that. And they take all that experience with them, you know, into the professional ring. Yeah, of course. And the way to adapt the style during the fight and the way to adapt to uh, endure the opponent's aggressiveness in the first round. Um, you can really see when uh, when there is a strong amateur background, and the Ukraine, sorry, Ukrainian school is uh, exceptional because in this generation you get Ramachenko, you get Yuzik, you get Deravinchenko, uh, you have uh, Grozik, and um, this school is fading out. But uh, this generation is like exceptional. Like got only uh, great talent, only uh, lefties, by the way. Yeah, I completely agree. And to me, that's one of my my favorite aspects of boxing is that you get, I call them waves, but you get a wave of talent from different parts of the world. And for a while, we saw many great amateurs from Cuba 
and the Russian system produced a lot of great fighters. And now you're seeing more fighters. You mentioned the Ukrainians. They, they're having their moment. Uzbekistan. Uh, the UK has produced some great amateurs. You're seeing different programs step up their amateur system. France has had several good fighters come out of the amateurs in recent years who turned into quality pros. So when you get all this different representation from different parts of the world, I think it just enriches the boxing scene overall and makes it better. And that's one of my favorite things about this sport. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's true. And uh, as, a, as a matter of fact, you're right. We got the Uzbek school right now, but uh, you, the Uzbek school tends to not be, you know, as um, as well prepared for the pro game as the Ukrainian school. My accent. No, no, you're doing good. You're doing very you good. Want... You're doing very good. Uh, thank you, thanks, mate. I thank Mike. <laughs> uh, I'm a bit surprised because it's my first time on the on the on the show, and I was a bit. Uh, and uh, just one thing uh, um, related to the resume, you know, uh, people on Twitter and everywhere have tend to say that uh, you know Golovkin doesn't have a good resume. He didn't fight good guys, good fighters. He didn't fight a lot of champions, but. You always have to take a closer look at Christmas. Uh, you know, he fought a guy named Ishida, a Japanese guy, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Uh, in Monte Carlo. It was like uh, something around uh, 2013, 14. And uh, um, people would say, well, Ishida is it's only a Japanese guy. And, and he KO'd in, 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 in three rounds. Three rounds, sorry. <laughs> three rounds, okay? But Ishida, was the guy who just bet uh, Kirkland. And, uh, yes. and Ishida was a Japanese fighter who obliterated um, um, Kirkland a few, a few, just the last uh, fight, you know. And Canelo fought the damaged Kirkland while um, Golovkin fought the undefeated Japanese fighter, you know. So <laughs> you, think, you, think, you would think Kirkland is a better name than Ishida because, uh, in the first place, but. Uh, the same uh, with um, same with Martin Murray. Golovkin bet right. uh, Martin Murray and uh, and Martin Murray bet uh, Sergio Martinez. But uh, right. people will, um, will will say that Golovkin never fought uh, Sergio Martinez. It's just that um, you know, it just bet uh, the guy who just bet <laughs> Sergio Martinez. And exactly. It's always, you know. <clears throat> and Sergio Martinez, always, um, Sergio Martinez, Miguel Cotto. None of those guys wanted to fight Golovkin. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. But they did not want to fight Golovkin. And it's not Golovkin's fault. Uh, but to say that he hasn't fought anybody, well, I, I mean, that's just not true. It's just people may not know who Ishida is. They may not know who Murray is. So good fighters. They're not great, yeah. you know, Hall of Fame level fighters, but they're very good professional fighters. And Golovkin absolutely dominated them. Crushed him. So, you know, yeah. yeah. But Canelo, at the same time, he fought uh, all of famous, right? Mm -hmm. Why they were, they were not all of famous anymore? They were not at that peak anymore. If you beat uh, Chad Mosley at 28 or 34, it's not the same. No? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so you, you have Chad Mosley on your resume, but, and you have, uh, I don't know, you have Chad Mosley, who else? You have, uh, who do you have? Mayweather, but you know. 
<laughs> yeah. that you have guys that uh, are on the decline already. Right. So it's nails that have uh, already lost, already, already been uh, damaged a little bit. And you had names and names on your resume. And uh, he had the idea to say, well, how many champions did uh, Golovkin fight uh, while uh, himself he had his uh, resume all, all padded, all the way padded? I thought um, he, he did what he wants with uh, weights and uh, pad his way, you know, um, rocky shading and all. And then, uh, and um, really, <clears throat> sorry. Sorry to say that, but um, um, I mean, um, what is the fight game is uh, too much on, um, what do you say, hype, you know, hype. Too much hype. Yeah, yeah that's the business, man. Because, um, that's that's the business. So much and if I got shit, you know, yeah. Yeah. No, but it's not hype in a way, sorry, but um, it's uh, hearsay, you know. People tend to doxa, a bit of doxa. That's uh, what um, you know, so people say. Well, Golovkin has a weak resume. That's the doctor. Yeah. That's uh, an opinion. And like everybody shares opinions, and they don't go behind. You know, behind the point, behind the point to see. Well, you can you can look at your resume and you see how many uh, undefeated fighters we have. You know, right. that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, I wanted to to check, and I forgot to. I forgot the number. I went to check a few years before, and and you see on the um, Golovkin resume there are far more uh, undefeated fighters when they first fight and uh, the first losses to Golovkin. Yeah, there's several well, fighters. Um, he fought. Uh, he fought yeah. several undefeated fighters. I know. Um, you know, I got to give credit to Anthony Joshua. He's another guy that's fought several undefeated fighters. And handed them their first loss. Obviously, I, I think fighters. I really appreciated Gushua last fight. Really, yeah, tremendous. I, I think that you know the, the problem is there's just too many fans who are just not um, very educated on these sorts of things, and then there are some, particularly American fans. And I'm saying this as an American. There are a lot of American fans who who don't understand that America is not the epicenter of boxing anymore it's a global sport and just because a fighter isn't american doesn't mean they're not good (laughs) so what's your name brother i didn't catch your name right now i'm sorry what what johnny 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 john jonathan johnny oh okay jonathan yeah man i I got i got a couple other calls yeah thank thank you so much uh, mike it was a bit clumsy it's the first time I call, and uh, and I'm not an English speaking. <laughs> no, you <laughs> did great, Jonathan. So. You did great, man. I was going to say, call, so call back. All right, call Thanks back so sometime. Much. Thanks so much, Mike. Have a good time. Thank you. You Bye. too. Yeah, I think Jonathan did great, man. For you know, first time calling into an English speaking podcast, I think he crushed it. That that's that's difficult, man. I, I've um. You know, I've called into conference calls before that were speaking Spanish and uh, conference calls that were speaking Italian, and I didn't dare ask a question. I just listened, and I only got like half of it because, you know, when people start going into dialect and stuff, it's difficult for me. But um, to call into an English-speaking podcast, and English is not your first language, that's intimidating. I did a good job. And basically what he was saying is, um, you know – these guys don't get enough credit for the resumes that they have. And I think the point is there's just some fans who don't understand 
that there's a world outside of America called Earth, <laughs> and there's a lot of great boxers in from other parts of the Earth, and people just got to open their minds. I, I think that there's just a lot of people who are kind of scared. There's just a lot of fear about maybe how things are changing a little bit in the boxing game. And that bothers some people. I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, Sam with another super chat. Thank you, Sam. He says, uh, hotels are gouging for the Canelo Golovkin fight. It's brutal. You know what, Sam? I'm so glad you brought that up. And this is something that I'll talk about in the coming weeks. I've been told by people in the know, I'll just put it there. I'm not going to put no names out. They are gouging for tickets to this fight. And it's not going to do as well as the other two. It's just not. This fight is coming years past the last one. Look, it's still a big fight. Don't get me wrong. It's still commercially one of the biggest fights you can make in the sport. Don't get me wrong, okay? On a global basis, yes. But here in America, um, pay-per-view on the zone, gouging for ticket prices, gouging for hotels. I've heard, Sam, from multiple people, ticket brokers and such, that the tickets are grossly overpriced. They're not moving at the rate that the first two did. Uh, this is going to be a tough one. And guys, if you want to attend this fight, wait to get your tickets. Don't buy them right now. They're overpriced, and they're going to have to start slashing prices pretty soon. Trust me on this. I've heard this from multiple sources, okay? Uh, all right, listen, we have a couple of calls here, but... Actually, we have a UK that's toll free. So let's, guys, uh, I mean this. We got to make these calls fast. Okay. I, I got to jump off here in a minute. Um, so we got to make these fast. I can't be talking. Uh, and I know I've done several like 10, 15 minute calls on the show, but from here on out, we got to keep them quick. All right. Let's, uh, let's move forward here. We got, uh, we got Tony on the line. What's up, Tony? How you doing, man? What's going on, Mike? Quick question. What do you think the chances of Usyk Fury is with the fact that Lewis Klitschko too never happened? I think Lewis knew that Vitaly probably was peaking and he was on his way out. I think Lewis walked away at the right time. For Fury, he's such a lunatic. Um, I don't know what to predict, but listen, man, there's gonna there's probably gonna be over a hundred million dollars thrown in the pot, and they'll probably go back to the Middle East. I gotta believe that fight's gonna happen next year. I just do. Uh is it true that I hear that the Ruiz Ortiz pay-per-view is gonna be on Fox and Fight TV? I I couldn't tell you. I honestly don't know. Uh let's see. <laughs> okay. I can look it up real quick. Fight TV schedule. Here we go. Uh, where's their site? Pro wrestling schedule. They got. I didn't know they had wrestling. All right, let's look. We're going to go to Fight TV's <laughs> upcoming boxing schedule. Um, hmm. There's a bunch of shit I never heard of. Let's see. September. Th they don't have it on here, man. I don't see it on here right okay. now. Oh, wait, wait. They do have it. They don't have it in order of the dates. Oh, okay. You know what they do? Holy shit. Yeah. They got it uh, in Spanish and in English. Now, I wonder what the price is. So, Se 75 bucks, dude. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> pay per view on cable and pay per view streaming. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
Did you hear uh, Taylor vacated the IBF? I did. Yeah, yeah. He's vacated all his damn belts, basically. Uh, oh, well, he wants the IBF, uh, WBO for sure. Oh, well, yeah, of course. We're Bob's organization. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he's uh, that's so crazy. How do you like Ponta Matias now, probably? That's who? Ponta Matias. Oh, okay. That's a good fight. I like Matthias. I like him. Okay. Um, yeah, Super Real Matthias. I like him. Um, that's a good fight. Yeah. I mean, they're not, you know, Josh Taylor, but wow, man. I can't believe yeah, that pay per view doing... is 75 bucks. Holy shit. Wow. I know. <laughs> I just wanted to confirm, and you were the best person to talk about that. Uh, do you think Broner ducked the Figueroa fight? Yeah, because Russell's number three right now. I I think Broner and I I'm not couldn't make weight and just kind of is half checked out. He's got enough money where he can do that. So yeah, I think so. All right. So with Russell being number three and Lippinus winning, it might be Russell Lippinus for the winner of the Peta Pro Race. It looks like. Dude, that'd be great. Sign me up for that. Yeah, one forty's. Money well, right now, man. 140 is a good division. If these guys all fight each other, sign me up. Oh, next year, everyone will have a belt, and then there should be unifications happening as well. And yeah. see what Josh Taylor does in the end. The only I think thing Taylor I don't understand is why did, yeah, most likely. Uh, why did Hearn have uh, Martin and Gassian not fight in the Eliminator? For the WBA thing, and now it's jumping down to Teo, which he's not going to take. So it's now going to probably be O'Hara Davis versus Cletus Seldon, and that's an old pro. Wow. I don't know. Maybe it came down to money or something, or he has other plans. I don't know. You know, Eddie Eddie Hearn tends to make pretty good decisions on this on this sort of thing. So I would trust his judgment on this. Uh, especially if it's involving the WBA. <laughs> uh, did you ever figure out why ESPN did the bid for the Joshua pay-per-view? You have to ask Glenn Feldman. That's all I'll say about that. Well, is, <laughs> would it be because, uh, if I heard the rumors right, I think Sky actually bid lower than the zone and they got the bid because they had the better network that's what the rumors were i honestly don't know i, I really no. really don't know yeah okay. um i'm not sure now how bad do you think the bad blood between sky and the zone in the saudi in saudi arabia like kind of put a downer on this pay-per-view event because they were fishing at each other left and right from what i heard yeah, I, I think, honestly, for me, it was just a, a lack of promotion, at least in the West, in America, for this fight. And I think a big part of that was because they just got a massive site fee. I mean, everybody got paid so well. And um, I don't know. Well, yeah. It sounds like the zone got the raw end of the deal because they paid the huge contract for Joshua and they paid a premium, probably, because it sounded like Top rank wanted to do a purse bid situation to increase the cost for the zone, probably. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't put that past. Keo, basically, <laughs> I wouldn't put that past Grandpa Bob at all. Um, yeah, the zone has made some some just poor decisions, bro. I, that's all I can say. Uh, okay. All right, uh, and the last one is winner of Pedraza Comey versus Garcia. How do you like that? Okay, I, I just look for Pedraza and Comey. They're a little bit past their best, and um, they're on their way out. But for Garcia, it, it would be a quality. It'd be a quality name on his resume and a good building block kind of thing. As long as we didn't have to wait like. 10 months for it or some shit. If we could get that fairly soon, yeah, I'm cool with it. Well, the WA is trolling Garcia right now, making him number one in the lightweight division. That's, so you can make it how you want. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. They're just trolling. They just want the media attention to try to force them to make the fight. I don't. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for the call. All right. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a good weekend, man. All right. Like, you too, man. All right. I saw in the chat, uh, Chad was saying, or Papa Chubby here in our chat was saying, you know, his mom is Jamaican and his dad's French. I'm just thinking, dude, that you probably grew up with some good food in your house because French people, pretty good food. Jamaican people, bomb ass food. I love some Jamaican beef patties and all that stuff. Uh, man, you probably grew up with some good food in your house, man. <clears throat> all right. Back to the phones. 631, you're on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike, this is Keith, uh, called in last Saturday. How's it going? Good, man. How you doing, Keith? Good, good. It's your uh, favorite West Coast pineapple eating uh, pizza. <laughs> uh, oh, pineapple on the pizza, bro. Um, I can't do it. I can't do it. Hey, I mean, I, I get it. It's not for everyone. Maybe it's my dad's Persian. Maybe that's also why I like it as well. Uh, okay, know, all right. But, um, yeah. All right, so your dad's so Persian. Okay. Dude, that, that's good food, too, yeah, man. You guys eat really good, too, man. I love Persian food. I, I just love food, man. I love, like, every culture's food, man. You guys have some great food, too. Same Where, here. Where's your mom from? Yeah, yeah. But she's Italian. Her family's uh, from uh, Marletta, which is on the... So you're a, an Italian-Persian. Holy shit. Okay. That's a that's a hell of a combo, bro. I'm a Peralian, as people say. <laughs> Peralian. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I'll be pretty quick because of a, a few points. Um, so we, I spoke briefly about the, the fight last week. Uh, a positive outcome is, that's going to sound funny, is my, my girlfriend was a huge boxing, a big boxing back in the day, but like many, she kind of got disarrayed by corruption. And she was very much moved by um, both of their, I mean, we didn't see Josh of the Rings out of the which he did too, but she's kind of very much moved by their great sportsmanship. So it kind of, Re, uh, it kind of put her face back in the boxing more so because of his existence of his character. Mm. Um, but going to the future, the future, ho- hopefully, undisputed fight. I think ultimately, I mean, like we we all say, theory is kind of crazy. I think Fury will fight you simply because he does have a lot of pride in he's a quote unquote fighting man. Yeah, he's just going to try and bring the price as much as he can because honestly, both of them, this is going to be the hardest fight of their careers. I don't think there's anyone else out there that's going to challenge them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and kind of, kind of go back to the point earlier. I'm not going to get too, too, delve too much into it, but I think just American in general, for example, like the caller from France, he spoke great English, and that was his first call. Um, that's awesome. Like people from other countries speak English. Americans here, we don't. Like I know all of us, but it's um, embarrassing, anywhere. right? 
Like, like most Americans it, it, it only speak English. They don't understand any other language. And, and people from other parts of the world speak two or three. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, especially in Europe, too, because a lot of business is on English, so people will know two or three languages, including English. Dude, I went um, to Shanghai, China it, for two weeks. I went to Shanghai, and people spoke English to me in Shanghai, China. And, and I'm thinking, most yeah. Americans don't even speak good English. <laughs> people in China do. It's just crazy, bro. It's crazy. Anyway, sorry. It, it, it is. It, it, and, it, and that kind of gets projected into boxing as well, too, from yes. all different communities. That's a I great mean, point. I have, I have a friend, he's Italian on the East Coast. He doesn't like, he thinks Golovkin sucks. He thinks Usyk sucks. He thinks uh, Lomachenko sucks as well, too. But he's like, oh, Canelo is great. But, you know, Usyk's cruiserweight uh, title on was nothing. Cruiserweight sucks. Meanwhile, Canelo's title on at 168 was a, was a gimme. So just like people think backwards. And obviously we go into a whole, I would say, and I'll say the whole urban, not everyone from there in the community, but a lot of people from there in the community do not like. Lomachenko probably was sick and they don't even like Joshua as well too and it's it's nonsense because when you confront with the facts it's like they they just they get emotional that's just it's not just that community or demographic it's a lot of people um what I want to ask you is can the ring hold the sanctioning bodies more so not really the IBF I actually kind of like the IBF they're better than the other ones in my opinion can they hold like the WB the other sanctioning organizations kind of liable by pressuring the ABC or, or is that not possible the ABC is useless. Um, it's it's unfortunate, um, but they're pretty much a, a useless organization at this point. But now, I mean, we really have no say. The only thing that we can do, like we've made a couple of editorial decisions. So like when we write articles about a WBA title fight, we don't even call the title fight if yeah. it's for a Reggie belt. We only recognize the WBA super belt. We, we do things like that to try uh, to help. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that that's pretty much the only power we have, yeah. Got it, okay. Um, and then my last point is, and I think this is, obviously, like, this is a, this is, this is a great podcast. This is my favorite podcast, the best podcast, and just the people who pull in, we're all kind of like-minded, and I think we all have a, um, you know, want to see the better amount of the sport. We're pretty yeah. objective. So, I mentioned in the past, I started a brand, uh, it's called Boxing Global. And, you know, I want, I want to build a team. And I feel like, you know, if someone, I could, you know, someone wants to partner with me, we can potentially grow it and make it bigger. Where we're, we're creating, where I created like a voting system where it holds judges accountable, holds promoters accountable to an extent. And I'm built, trying to build relationships with the, with the athletic mission. So um, if someone wants to reach out to me, we can maybe, we can do something together, make it bigger. I'm busy. I know that people are busy, but um, feel free to at me. I'm Keith Yazdan on, on Facebook. I'm on, I'm on Instagram as well, too. And also uh, on YouTube here, you guys can reach me. But Facebook's probably the easiest as well, too, because I want to change the sport. And I think there's a problem and there's an opportunity, that's an opportunity as well to include the sport because boxing is way too fragmented and political and, you know, just. I look at the UFC and I look up and they have a huge fight, you know, the weekend before. They have a huge fight coming up where in boxing it's afraid years and years to, to get a fight like Mayweather Pacquiao or Spencer right. Crawford. And it's, 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 it's sad. It's unacceptable. But Are you in the chat, man? Because I was going to say, post your links in the chat so the guys can get to it. Are you in the chat right yeah, now? Yeah, I, I have. I, I, I will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll post my links. And um, 
yeah, and we met you and I messaged on Facebook as well too. But uh, right. I'll post that up in the chat in a second. So yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to me, um, like I'm I'm all ears. Sad and I connected as well too. I'll talk to them about it as well. But I'm all ears. Like I want to make the sport better in an honest way through grassroots. Actually, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I share your passion. So yeah, definitely get the links out there. Um, and message them to me. I'll try to like pin them in a the comment here on this video. You know, just DM me on on Facebook or something. Okay. All right, brother. Sounds good. All right, well, man. Mike, well, as always, great show. Thank, thank you again. Thank you. Again. All right, ciao. Yeah, uh, to, to Keith's point, well, first, uh, Papa Chubby in the chat says, Mike's trying to do the show, but he's hungry. Yeah, we're talking about food over here in the chat. Um, but, you know, to Keith's point, my Persian-Italian friend, um, you know, we we this show and – really just the platform, you know, um, because it's, it's TNC, then my thing here on Friday and other stuff I do, even on my Twitter, I've got about 15,000 followers now. And it really is a, a representation from around the world. It's people from all different parts of the earth. Um, and it, we're united in a passion for, for boxing, you know, and we may have different opinions on certain things and, and not see a hundred percent eye to eye on everything. Um, you know, about life or politics or, or whatever. Uh, but on this thing, I think we're all kind of, uh, you know, with each other in that we love this sport and just want to see great fights. And we want to see um, the fighters, you know, the best fight the best and the fighters be treated well by the judges and everything else. Um, so it, it's just kind of, it's it's really badass for me. It's It's great that we get people on here uh, from all over, dude. We had a caller from France earlier. We got callers from the UK. We've had callers from uh, uh, the Caribbean, <clears throat> Latin America, and Asia. And and like that that's so cool that um, we can all come together on this kind of stuff, man, and kind of see things the same way. And it also helps kind of filter out the noise from some of the jerk-offs that are out there that really want to make this shit uh, something that, you know, it isn't and and get all tribal and biased about things um those people yell the loudest and sometimes they get the most attention but they really are the minority they're really like 10 percent. the other 90 percent of us don't give a shit <laughs> we just don't care we just want to see the, uh great fights and see the best fight the best joe in the chat says the zones charging ten dollars for this ksi two fights in one night I was actually considering watching it, but I'm not paying extra for it. Wow. So that's like a mini pay-per-view. You know, Joe, I got to say, that's kind of sneaky genius on their part because the crowd that they're marketing to, because KSI is a YouTube guy, right? And, and so his audience is a bunch of teeny bopper girls and shit. They'll pony up 10 bucks to watch him, right? That's what they're going to do. So it's smart of the zone to do that. Um, because I don't, I think they're looking at this like, yeah, most of our dedicated subscribers really don't give a shit about this fight. It's kind of a one-off type of event. That being said, the two guys that KSI is fighting, I would beat both of them in the night too. And I'm not saying that because I'm anything special. I'm saying that because the opponents are trash. No disrespect, but I'd beat both of these guys' ass in, in a sparring session for real. My old ass. So I mean, it is what it is. Smart marketing by KSI though. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> Chat says the Pedraza Come winner fights Camboa. Don't give these people ideas, Chad. 
Do not give these people ideas. All right, let's jump to the UK, man. Let's uh, go to 782. You're on the show. What's up? Hello. My name's Pat. Can you hear me? Yes, Pat. I can hear you. What's up? Hey, how you doing? First time caller from the good old UK. And uh, visited America plenty of times. Love it over there. Love all the old boxing history. It's just a couple of points to make. First off on the Usyk-Joshua rematch. There was a whole lot of talk in the build-up to that rematch saying all Anthony Joshua needs to do is let his hands go. All Anthony Joshua needs to do is bang the body. And most boxing purists, like many of my friends and hopefully myself, were actually thinking all this talk about what AJ is going to do. And yet very few people were thinking, okay, and I'm assuming that Usyk is listening to this. And he doesn't have plans of his own Usyk, does he? Usyk is just going to come in and wait to see what AJ does. He had no answers for Usyk. And every time he tried to plant his feet and put his uh, put his foot down into his punches, Usyk would literally just move 40 or 50 degrees, not even a whole lot, to the right, to the left, and out of reach. And AJ had no answer for it whatsoever. If they if they fought ten times, Usyk would do the same thing nine times. Yes. And in the tenth fight, maybe maybe AJ would land a lucky punch. Maybe, if that. Okay, that that's the, the one point. The second point is I do think Fury and Usyk will happen. The problem that Usyk is gonna have in that fight is although he's got great skills, in and out movement, head movement, foot movement, the whole lot the issue that he does have, and Fury will take advantage of it, is his lack of a respectable punch up at heavyweight. Now, we know that AJ is a bit chinny, so that, that's one thing. Um, you have caller, the, the French lad earlier on, I think he was, mentioned about um, Golovkin and, and Sergio Martinez. Now, I may be in the, the minority here, but given the, uh, the earlier performances against you know, Paul Williams, etc., I think Sergio would have boxed rings around Golovkin. He may have may have suffered a knockdown, but he I think he would have beaten him. And the last point is uh, Marvin Hagler, not long before he died, he was over here. And I met him, and I jokingly said to him, you know, uh, how quick would you get rid of Golovkin? And he just sort of winked at me and goes, I don't know, how, how quick do you think? I says, five, six rounds? And he just laughed. Shook my hand and walked away, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's a nice guy. I got, I got a big head of long hair, and he shook my hand. He jokingly said to me, "Hey, man, I wish I had your head of hair. <laughs> I thought I wish I had your bank balance and your left hook, but I don't, you know. But <laughs> yeah. no, I thought it was, it was good to see, uh, you know. And, and you've, you've also, I don't know if you noticed this, my man, but Usyk, however great he performed at the weekend, he looked like a man who was mentally tired he's got his country going through war he probably can't wait to get back to see his family you know although he must have been training really hard he wasn't training in his usual training camp right and everyone's just expecting him to come on and put this amazing boxing show boxing clinic against AJ it must have been in the back of that guy's mind am I going to get a phone call during Saudi Arabia that my house has been blown up or something like must have been on that guy's mind. Surely. You know what I mean? And he Absolutely. still 
performed as as good as he did. Um, I think that that is that that's the thing, and I think a lot of AJ's post fight antics, and I'm a Brit, I totally disapproved of that. I thought it was embarrassing. I thought it was shocking. The problem that AJ has in Britain is when he came into the picture and our other lad Tyson Fury was struggling with abuse and uh, mental health issues, God bless him, AJ became the, the darling of Britain in terms of boxing. And then when the Furies came back and he, he beat Wilder and he's done well and he beat Dillian White, I think that really deep down burns AJ that, oh, I'm not, I'm not just a boy anymore. Mm. You know? And I think that that made a lot of resentment. I don't know what the impression with that is over there, over stateside, but I genuinely think that that's the case, man. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think it's a very fair point because he kind of was England's favorite son for a while there. And then when you lost to Ruiz, it kind of changed things. And then Fury had this this run with, you know, the Deontay Wilder fights. Uh, the, The one thing, Fury has said some things that the media over there was upset about. So, you know, he's had some bad press over there too. Um, but mm, he's yeah. seen as the more you know, superior fighter right now, you know, he, he's because he was I, the I, champ. So. I think as well, I think, I think as well, Brits love sports, sportsmen that wear the heart on their sleeves. I mean, I don't know if you, you'll be familiar with Nigel Ben, won't you? Yeah. Course, there's, uh, there's the middleweight champ, right? So, Nigel Ben used to say a few things that made made you go, oh, God, don't say that on TV. I met Nigel Ben a few years ago, one of the nicest guys. Of course. Me. Really, really. A lot really of these guys and, play it up for the yeah. camera. You meet these guys. As you mentioned, yeah. Marvin Hagler, who is really seen as a oh, hard yeah. ass for years when he fought, he was he turned into like a happy grandpa. He was just this sweet yeah. man, you know, I, just lovable guy. Yeah. I mean, it was a shame. I mean, like, you know, he was in such great form, you know, but mm-hmm. I think, like, you know, I, I, I generally think, like, Golovkin will, will probably give his all against Canelo in that third fight because Canelo is probably just as big over here now as he is in America and Mexico. You know, like I said, I've been all over America. You know, you see his merchandise in the shops. When Canelo fights, the TV up here, over here, is, is just the same. But I think what will probably happen is... Golovkin will give his best, and he will. He will. I don't think he's going to win. I think Canelo. I don't think. He, I don't think he'll stop him, but I could see him maybe dropping him, and then Golovkin, you know, going out and shield or something. But I think you'll see. You'll see a redemption from Canelo because people people give him a lot of stick because of Bivol, but there's, it was just a bridge too far for him, man. Like yeah. you know, it, he was going all the way up in weight. And just because people, even over here, just because people don't know the vault doesn't mean that he, you know, he's crap. I mean, the guy, English is not his first language, so he's probably not going to be as big in Britain or America because he can't really be marketed that well. But if you take that out of it, that doesn't take away anything from his boxing ability. Do you know what I mean? And he just had to be the bigger man that night. All he had to do was like, right, okay. You know that you're not going to box Canelo and beat him. Just stay away from him and keep him on the outside. And he did it. And, yeah. you know, I was gutted that Canelo lost. But uh, fair play to him. And I think we'll see Canelo uh, redeem himself uh, next month, man. You know what I mean? But I, I haven't heard of the show before tonight. I'll be keeping an eye on it, my man. 
And I'll Thank be, you so uh, much. I'll be keeping an eye on the show in a week. And I'll be telling my, my British pals here about it as well. So God bless you, my man, and you take care, and I'll be a regular listener now, all right? Thank you. That sounds great, brother. Have a great weekend and definitely call in again, all right? Oh, will do, man. All the best. God bless. Take right, care, yeah. Ciao. Right, bye-bye now. That's another great first call. I've had a couple of great first calls today, man. Um, you know, I will say I agree with a lot of what he said, but uh, with the Sergio Martinez thing, by the time Triple G was ascending, Sergio was declining, and he's had issues with his – I think it was – which knee was it? I can't remember right now if it was the left or right, but he was starting to have issues, knee problems. Uh, his body was starting to kind of break down. And I thought he lost to Martin Murray. It was real close. You can make an argument that Martinez won. I was a big Sergio Martinez fan. I, I thought he was a damn good fighter. Really, really good, underappreciated fighter by a lot of American fans. But I just think his style um, was just – Triple G would just be all wrong for him. Everything that Sergio would try to do, Triple G would just kind of cancel out with his jab, uh, which was truly elite at that time and break through. And I think he'd probably punish and stop Sergio Martinez late. That's just what I would see. Um, you know, Kelly Pavlik came close. Kelly Pavlik dropped him, I think, and hurt him a couple times. Um, and uh, again, I mentioned Martin Murray. Of course, you know, when Cotto fought him by then, he was just kind of broken. His leg was just busted up. But yeah, I would have to favor Triple G. All right, guys, we're going to take one more call. And then we're going uh, to call it here. Let's jump to Philadelphia. We got 610 on the show. What's up? How you doing? Hello. 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 Yes. Hey, Michael Mantero. Love you, brother. Love you much, man. Really, always enjoy your show. Thank hey, you. Uh, listen, it, it, would, it be, would it be all right, Michael, if I were to um, talk about the Usyk fight in the aftermath? Absolutely, brother. Because I have some feelings about it that I'd, it, that I'd it, like man. to share. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, Michael, you know uh, the first thing that, that that pisses me off about the whole thing is number one, uh, Usyk stole AJ's. Mo I mean, AJ stole Usyk's moment yeah. from him. You, you know, uh, and uh, AJ looked like he had a in doing that, like he threw a temper tantrum. You know, it reminds me of like a a, a big a big kid. Right, a big maybe special ed kid that gets invited to someone's birthday party, right? And then he sees the kid getting all the attention and then sees all the presents that he gets and then just wigs out and either, you know, punches the birthday boy or starts smashing some of his toys. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's that's what it looked like to me. And everyone's, you know, uh giving a pass to to him saying that, you know, I feel like the trainers and the pundits, the promoters that are sitting there and giving him a pass for his behavior. They remind me of the kind of parents who, instead of taking that special kid outside and, and giving him an ass whipping, you know, take him to uh, Toys R Us and, uh, you know, <laughs> buy him some toys so he doesn't feel so bad. You know what I mean? That's it. it, it you know, you can't, Michael, you can't uh, do that. That was Usyk's moment. Yeah. He stole He stole Usyk's moment from him. He stole the, that moment from the fans, Right. And, uh, you know, I just feel like uh, everyone's giving the guy a pass for that. And, he, you know, he stole six moment. He disrespected him by, you know, walking up, taking the fly, the two belts, right, 
and, uh, and tossing him out of the ring. I mean, what a, what a slap in the face to Usyk, to the Ukrainian people, and to the fans. I mean, it was just, it was just disgusting. And I don't hear anyone saying uh, to, to, to uh, AJ or about AJ, hey, man, you know, you really violated so many rules. You know, uh, he, at one point he takes, um, he takes uh, Usyk's flag, mm-hmm. you know, drapes it over his shoulders. Did he ask? Hey, do you mind if I wear your flag? I mean, glove can one he let the uh, the, the other guy uh, wear his robe. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But you know, the, the guy didn't just take his robe off and put it on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all and, about and then another thing that really, yeah, yeah right. And then another thing that, uh, that 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 got me that I really saw is AJ the Muslim. Uh I think you so, know? but I don't know. I, I I honestly don't know. Okay, well, but. You know, here's a lot of people might have missed this. Usyk, I'm not a religious guy myself, but I have enough respect for the people's, you know, customs and whatnot. You know, you know, when Pacquiao would want to fight, first thing he would do is get down and pray in the corner, you know. Well, Usyk got down on his hands and knees to thank his Lord, you know, for the victory. And, uh, you know, AJ interrupted that. Interrupted that. Now, what if, what if Usyk yeah. turned the tables around and had done that to AJ? Well, we would be here, man. You don't interrupt the Muslim when he's uh, when he's uh, praying. You just you just don't do that. And it was just wrong on so many fronts, Michael. And it, it and you know I'm a boxing fan. I don't like seeing people get their moments stolen. Who do you think you are to sit there and take the microphone and now and that's a sense of entitlement. I mean, he's just like a little brat sit there, and you can't sit there and say, oh. Uh, you know, give him a pass and say, you know, a- AJ's uh, socially retarded because he knew just what he was doing. He says, hey, I'm sorry, but I'm stealing this. I'm stealing your moment. I'm making it all about me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what balls? Why, Grandma? What big balls you've got? You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I can't stand I didn't see that. I didn't you see know, you breaking heard, up heard, a prayer. Look, man, you're breaking up a dude's prayer. That that's really kind of messed up. I mean, that might be the worst part of all of it. Honestly, I didn't see that part. Yeah, but, I really. I thought you know, <laughs> that's pretty if, bad. If, if you turn it around, you don't go interrupting the Muslim while he's praying. We would never hear the end of it. But no, everyone's getting on the path. The press, you know what I mean? Uh, it was unfortunate. I love that. That uh, I love that. That uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Savannah Marshall said they asked her, What do you think of it? She said, I thought it was embarrassing. It was just embarrassing. You know? I love Savannah Marshall, by the way. Uh, I think yeah. she's gonna I, I think Who I think doesn't? she's gonna beat the living daylights out of uh Clarissa Shields and oh, that's coming up. That's coming talent. up in uh what? Yeah, yeah. And you know weeks? what? It wouldn't surprise me afterwards if she wigs out and fucks up. You know? Yeah, <laughs> because well. she she's the self proclaimed glue. She's got quote written on her clothes, embroidered on her clothes. She's got a necklace that says the quote. You're calling yourself the quote. It's not like someone the boxing administration said, "Hey, you're the greatest woman of all time." You know, you're calling yourself the quote. So what's going to happen when she beats the living daylights out of her? And I truly believe Marshall will. I'm. Ex- I don't think her ego is so big. I don't think she's going to be able to deal with it. We might have another wig out moment after that fight. That'll be interesting to see. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Michael, that's basically, that was my, my piece, you know, is what I wanted to say. And, uh, you know, keep keep rocking, brother. I love, I love, I love your, your, you're really objective and you, you, you've got 
you know, all the information, you know, you, you, you get one of the best boxing channels out there. I'm a huge fan, brother. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it, Doc. Good call, man. It was, it was fun. Calling right, again. Thanks right? a lot, Michael. You take care now. You do. You take too. care. John. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, man. Uh, Junior with the Super Chat. Thank you, Junior. He says, yo, Mike, never get the chance to see the live show uh, from from Australia. God we, God, we got a bunch of Australians on the chat. I love it, man. He says, is it me or did Usyk's glove size look six ounces bigger than AJ's? Love the content. Peace. Um, you know, did they have different brand of gloves? Because if they have different brands, that could be it. But guarantee you it's the same size. The, the commission has to approve all that. The reason why Usyk's gloves might have looked bigger is because his hands are so much smaller and he's so much smaller than AJ. So standing next to AJ, if, if AJ's wearing 10 ounce gloves and Usyk's wearing 10 ounce gloves, the gloves are going to look a lot smaller on AJ and a lot bigger on Usyk. Does that make sense? And then sometimes um, the brand of the glove, the cut of the glove, you know, can change and where they put the padding, how they do the padding, all of that can make a glove look smaller, bigger, whatever. But I guarantee you they were the same size gloves. Absolutely. Because the commission has to approve all that stuff. <clears throat> I appreciate the uh, the love, man. Appreciate that. All right, guys. Uh, man, we got a couple more calls. We're running up on two hours. So look, I, I got a hand, I got a few minutes left. Nacho said he wants to talk about what he calls Maravilla slander. So let's get him on. Nacho, you got like three minutes, dude. You got like three minutes. So here, we're gonna bring him on. Let him rip. Nacho, what's up, man? All right, Mike. I'm gonna make this quick because I okay. saw this slander in the chat. It's gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> people people got to realize that Mar Maravilla from 07 to 2012, prior to the Chavez Jr. fight, he was damn near untouchable. That guy's style, to me, I think would have legitimately given uh, Golovkin problems because people forget Golovkin, before he came to America, one of his last fights was against a faded Kasim Uma, and he had to go to war against him just to win that fight, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, people need to go watch that fight. So if a faded Kasim Uma was giving Golovkin hell, what would a prime Maravilla, who has a, a style that's very uh, awkward and troubling, what would he do to Golovkin? I just think people are disrespecting Maravilla way too much right now. Like, they're acting like the Maravilla that they saw against Martin Murray and Miguel Cotto was the Maravilla that that we saw the entire time uh, when he was fighting, and that's not the case. I think no, people I, have I agree with you, short but, memories when it comes to that. No, I completely agree with you. And like I said, I was a big fan of Sergio Martinez. But let me ask you this. He started his career at 47, and his prime, we're talking about prime now, his prime was at 54, really. Maybe 60 for a little bit, but would he be a little undersized, and, and could he be out-muscled by Golovkin? That, that's my thing. Golovkin covers up jabs straight down the middle jabs to the chest breaks him down a little bit Could, couldn't you see Golovkin winning that fight or are you convinced that Maravilla wins possibly but I think people are giving um they're they're kind of undervaluing how good Maravilla was yeah he wasn't a guy that wasn't that was necessarily going to go to war with people he was going to try to outbox people and his style made it difficult for people to to really hit him clean for the most part, especially when he was in his prime. That's my only beef with this whole, 
oh, Golovkin would have just like cut through him like a hot knife through butter. I, yeah. I think that's kind of wrong. I agree you know? with you. On that's that. just my opinion, Mike. No, no, I completely and agree. And then, with you. Uh, I agree. Yeah. And then one one last thing that I wanted to bring up, Mike, the, the fight was made, which I was surprised, but what do you think of Lee Wood against uh, Mauricio Lara? I like that fight. Um, where are they doing that? Are they doing that in the UK? It's going to be September 24th. Oh, what? In the UK, though? Or do you know? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's in the UK. Okay. Um what what's the, what undercard is that on the undercard? I'm trying to think what else is on um, that date. No, I think it's a it's a headlining show on the zone. Is it headlining? Okay, Cause okay. Because yeah, because <laughs> the only other fight that's on that weekend is the Joyce Parker fight. Okay, okay, yeah. I don't know. I, for some reason, I thought there's another thing. I like that fight a lot, man. That's a good fight. Style wise, that's a big yeah. contrast to styles. Yeah. For sure. So, all right, we'll Mike. Talk, I just we'll wanted to speak my it. piece on. Yeah, yeah, all for right. sure. I just wanted to speak my piece on Maravilla. All I right. hear you, brother. I I'll hear talk you. to you Monday. All right, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Goes. Later. Nacho getting in. Um, and then Sam with a super chat. Um, by the way, Maravilla, I completely agree with with Nacho that a lot of people, and I said this before, a lot of American fans underrated how good he was at his absolute best. It's just his body started to break down. And by the time Golovkin was ascending, when they would have fought, you're talking early 2010s, I just think Golovkin would have won that fight at that point because Sergio, he was breaking down a little bit. Anyway, Sam, super chat. He says, uh, Usyk knew that Joshua was in a state of shock. He handled it like a gentleman and let him vent. But AJ gave Usyk his props while flipping out for the two wins. Yeah, look, I, people are going to have their opinions. It's only It hasn't even been a full week, guys. So some fans need to vent about it. Let them. But um, I would say by next week, it's time to move on to the next thing. So, all right, guys, great show, man. I wish I could take some more calls. But... Um, We're right up at two hours, and my wife's going to kill me if I go any longer. All right, guys, have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday at the Neutral Corner. Peace.